Brad Hill here. There is no better way to share a story than around a campfire. And if you are in the Mobile Bay area, there is no better place to get firewood than our friends at Mobile Bay Firewood. This is a family-owned business, and I personally love using their easy-to-light, kiln-dried firewood in my fire pit. So use promo code MBFTSO for $15 off of your next order at mobilebayfirewood.com. Longtime friends of the podcast, the Growley Leather Company is a family-owned leather goods company in southern Alabama. All of their leather goods are designed and handcrafted to come alongside you in your daily life, share in your adventures, and reflect your character. Brian and I both enjoy products from Growley Leather. So visit GrowleyLeather.com and use promo code TSO2022 for a 15% discount at checkout. Find you a leather journal and fill it with stories from the storied outdoors. This is the Storied Outdoors, a podcast somewhere between Lewis and Tolkien and Lewis and Clark, finding clarity in the stories we tell and the adventures that shape us. Welcome to the Storied Outdoors. I'm your host, Brian Gill, and I'm alongside my good buddy and co-host, uh, Brad Hill. Uh, we have a guest today that... Uh, I found on Instagram, uh, and today at the recording of this podcast, it's the first time we've ever met or talked to each other face-to-face. She is Amanda Bridges Dunn. She is an adventurer, a caver, a kayaker, hiker, waterfall chaser, artifact finder, wife, and mom. And on Instagram, she can be found under the handle Adventuring Light. Uh, Amanda, thank you so much for joining us, two strangers, about a podcast called The Storied Outdoors. Well, thank you for having me. This is my first podcast. Well, welcome, and we're glad to have All you. All right. Adventuring Light, just right out of the gate. What? What is? Uh, what's, where does this come from? So um, I always I love I love daylight. I love the sun. So uh, it, when it rains a lot, uh, a lot of days in a row, I get in my car. I've done this for many, many times for years. I just get in my car and start driving until I see the sun again, until I see light. So when the kids were younger and we were poor and <laughs> being at home is depressing, you know, I would look the kids up and do this anytime it rained a lot. And so I guess it comes from that. And then also I'm always like chasing the light, you know, the truth is in Jesus. So nice. You'd be driving a lot where I live in Mobile, Alabama. Oh, yeah. Well, you just get showers. That's not like days on. Oh, no, ma'am. No, ma'am. We get gully washers. <laughs> I'm not moving there then. Can't do that. Mobile, Mobile literally is the rainiest city in the country per, like, we. they get more days of rain in Seattle, but Mobile gets more volume than any city in the really? country. Make this it up. rains a lot. <laughs> and when it rains, it seriously rains. <laughs> Nice. Okay, and I did not know that. I'll add that to my list of interesting facts I can tell people. Yeah, you now now you know. The more you, you know, this is this is not just an entertaining podcast. This is educational. I'm learning things today. That's right. <laughs> be a lot of be a lot of driving, especially around three thirty, four o'clock in the afternoon. That the summer that summer shower uh, afternoons. Set your clock you right. I bet. So Amanda, what is the? Um, Okay, so you're, you know, all of these things that are outdoors, and that's what drew me to the, your Instagram account is, yeah, yeah quite it's a, a list, it's a huge list of things that you just, it's like you live out in the door, out, outside and outdoors, but what is it that drew you to the outdoors and, and to adventure? I mean, that's, I love that. I mean, all of those things, I'm, I'm a huge fan of all of those, except for one, uh, and, uh, and we're going to talk about it later, but being a caver, I've never done that, and I'm scared of small, like, uh, closed in places and some of the places that you get in are very tight and i'm and i'm a little bit nervous to to get into that conversation but let's let's do it later so what draws you to the outdoors and adventure okay so i guess when i was a little girl i've always my parents have always been hikers so every single vacation revolved around hiking um i don't my earliest pictures when i was you know not even a year old yet they were taking me into the smoky mountains hiking 
and I've always, always enjoyed it. So um, I would go to the creek in our neighborhood as a little girl and catch catch fish, crawfish, bring them all home. They'd all be dead the next day, you know, <laughs> feed them off breadcrumbs and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, I've always, I've, I don't remember a time where I wasn't outside. Um, and I've always just loved it. Just walking outside and there's no walls. There's tons of stuff to do. You never run out of stuff to do outside. You know, there's tons of stuff to look at. It's pretty. Yeah. So what, is, so do you, like on these adventures, does your family go with you or are, are you out there just kind of trailblazing out there alone get you some good alone time how, do, how does that work you've got a you've got five kids and so it's a that's a that's a pretty big commitment there so so both so um when they were younger and did not have a choice in the matter everyone loaded up in the car and they always went hiking with us we went to, you know, on vacation the smoky mountains in gatlinburg you know we always went hiking and they liked it a lot and then teenage years came and then i started having to bribe mm. them to go with me <laughs> money involved i think it started out with like a nerd rope you know how you know you want a nerd rope go hiking with me today but then you know it evolved to money and actually last year it's like a a, a low point um i really wanted my oldest daughter to go artifact hunting with me and she said if you'll pay my first month's rent next semester it was like 440 dollars and i did i did but i wanted to be with her so much so but but normally it's just different pockets of people. So I'll get the boys to go with me. They still love to go caving. They'll go on short hikes voluntarily. They'll go kayaking at least once a year. Um, my husband's my favorite. He'll always go. He's always, he's your ride or die. Always. It's a long story, but um, there may be a close call and he's a little nervous about it. So uh, but it's okay. That's, a, that's the only thing he won't do. Yeah. And mine. He doesn't go into abandoned yeah. mines anymore. Oh man, I can't imagine why. I will take y'all. Look. You say it's caving scares you. I will have you caving by the end of the month, and you'll be hooked. I mean, I hope I'm hooked to something because I feel that's my fear of not being hooked to something, and and it just <laughs> ended up in the bottom of this cave. <laughs> it's so addictive. It, I, know, I know you don't. Think, it doesn't seem appealing because it's dark in there, but when you get inside, you have a headlamp on, everything's illuminated, and you realize how gorgeous and intricate everything underground is. You don't even believe it. You're thinking. Why don't I know about this? Like, why has no yeah. one told me about this yeah. before? No, no, I am. A, I have a significant. I, there's probably some counseling that's needed, uh, but I have some significant claustrophobic no, issues. Most of them are, like, if you were to put me in a straitjacket, that's the worst possible thing you could do. Anything else to me, and it would be fine. But you put me in that, it would be okay. Over. What if okay. what if you could cave and it was twenty foot ceilings the whole time? Yeah, but there's always that one possibility that you're gonna come up on this little place that you got to scoot through. Uh-uh. See, so there are caves that are just walking the entire time. You never even have to get down and crawl. Now I've been to Ruby Falls, and I like that because it's like <laughs> you can see the outside, and like you. If I can't do this, if I can't do this, <laughs> I've got one happen. foot basically in the real world, and then one foot in this cave, and I'm like, oh, this is nice. I like this. Now, if there's a paved walkway yeah. and an elevator and admission being charged, that's not the same. Okay. Uh, you're, yeah. What I've seen, you, your pictures, you're like in these spaces that like, I, I feel like your whole body is touching walls at one time. Like you are in the tightest little spots and you're going through and you're like documenting this stuff. And I'm just like, my hands are sweaty scrolling through Instagram. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> How is she doing this? And like, how do you know what's on the other side of this thing? Well, so, you do. That's am, why you got me. Yeah. <laughs> I am not a dwarf. I am not a dwarf. But we call this podcast somewhere between Lewis and Tolkien and Lewis and Clark. And nope. I do not go under. You say that. So it, even when I watch the videos, I, it makes me nervous. I'm like, oh my gosh, I, did I do that? But when you're in the moment, you are dying to know what's on the other side of this crawl. You cannot go back without knowing what's back there. What if there's something really amazing back there? You have to crawl to get there. You would do. Well, so you have found some pretty amazing things. I mean, there's some there's some really cool things that you found. Like just throw, you know, uh, you, I think you have a group that you go with, and you guys are, are doing some amazing discoveries here. So we have we have this question we like to ask, and say we're sitting around a campfire. And you're going, we're all telling stories. What is your go-to story that has kind of like shaped you or it's really just a kind of a wow story that you'd always like to tell and, and, and it's kind of like your 
your wow moment. Uh, so what is that story for you? Oh, so I don't have one yet. I don't have like a defining story yet, but I guess one of the, there's been several times where I thought, this is it, I'm going to die. And I think the first <laughs> time, and the reason I got into caving, I think it was maybe 2016 or 2017. I was in Stevens Gap. And we had seen a picture online, a friend and I had. So we were like, hey, let's go there. Have you ever heard of Stevens Gap? Mm-mm. In North Alabama, mm. it's a very, it's probably Alabama's most popular cave. It's very, very pretty. If you look it up, Google it, there, um, it's got these beautiful light rays coming down onto this pedestal. And so people will, you can walk into the cave or you can repel in. So we, of course, walked in. We're brand new. And look, we're, we are, I'm wearing, um, I was wearing a tank top and cut off jean shorts. And I think I had on like uh, Tevas, or I think I'll call them Tevas. Mm-hmm. Like like nothing serious that you would cave in. I didn't have a, there was no helmet. I had a headlamp and a cell phone for light. So anyway, me and my friend decided we'd go in there and I really wanted to get onto the pedestal. And there's a, a beautiful waterfall in the background. Well, the night before it had rained so, I mean, torrential downpour, it rained so much that the rain was just pouring down into this, into this cave, into this canyon. And so usually where you would walk, there's it's a dry air with a few rocks, you know, it was, it was a river. And I was like, Oh God, if, if I, the river goes straight by the pedestal and down and, you know, 50 feet down, you, you'll die if you, if you miss it. But I was determined to get onto the pedestal. And I was like, I think I can do it, Brian. Will you, will you just film for me? He's like, I mean, I feel like I'll be filming your death. So we'll just do it, you know, just, 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 just record. And if I make it, you know, uh, it'll be a good video. To- <laughs> it'll be real cool. If I don't, well, we got documentation. We'll go to counseling. <laughs> yeah. You'll be in trauma counseling the rest of your life. So, um, so actually I did make it and, um, it was very scary. The water was pushing me the entire time, but it pushed me against the pedestal. I climbed up and you know, your, your adrenaline's pumping and I'm like, oh, I made it. And of course, I've got pictures somewhere on my Instagram account of, of that. And it was the most amazing moment. I was like, I want to do this every single day. This was the best adventure ever. And then, of course, I had to get down off the pedestal and cr- climb out against the water, which. That's hard to is, do. It was, it was horrifying. The whole video, it's I think it's on my those little save little dots on your Instagram. It's on one of those. OK, um, but it was it was scary. And so I guess I tell that story sometime or just show the video. That's my camp story. Yeah. So when you think about that, why was it scary? Like, what, what, what do you reflect on when you think about what could have been? What, what are some reflections that you have on that adventure? Because that's really what it's about. Like, it's not just about the moment. Right? So why was it scary? Is that what you said? Yeah. Well, I mean, what what'd you learn? So, from you know, I, I could have died um, very easily. People have died in that cave. There's all these signs that right now. Oh, yeah. Really? Several people have died in that cave. But uh, just the adventure, seeing if I could do it, see if I could push myself to the limits. I mean, don't we all want to do that? Mm. You know, um, to get somewhere that's beautiful that you've seen in a picture and and just be there in, the, in that moment. Look, I did it. You know, it's amazing. And yeah. going where many people haven't gone. So that's, you know, that cave. Okay, a whole lot of people have gone there since 2017. But um, it wasn't as popular then. And so, um, but in caving in general not many people get to go, you know, and, and you get to go somewhere mm-hmm. that, and there are billions of people on this planet and you get to be somewhere that very few people get to see. That's amazing. That's a pretty neat draw. I mean, you think about that, you know, one of the, like Brad said, our podcast, we, we say it's somewhere between Lewis and Tolkien and Lewis and Clark. And, the, you know, these adventurers going out into the unknown and going where very few people have been, there's a draw to that, and, and and if you have that in you, it it that's a an itch that has to be scratched. I feel like yes, yes, absolutely. I mean, we left there going, okay, where can we go next? What do we know about another cave? Is there any other cave? We actually uh, googled it and found um, uh, Tumbling Rock Cave. It's a very um, it's a good starter cave mm-hmm. in Alabama, but you should also have like equipment with you. And by that time, you know, headlamp batteries had run out and I think we left them on and all we had were our cell phone lights. So real cavers came out in front of us and they have all this gear on and everything. And there we are in cutoffs, like redneck white trash. We've got on cutoffs and um, top, <laughs> a baseball cap with no headlamp and a cell phone. 
a cell like hey y'all we're gonna go down <laughs> and, yes, that is so weird. <laughs> and no one like i i feel like looking back like someone should have stopped us and been like hey let's like, think about this help you do you need a headline are you new here? Are you new here? Bless your heart. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah. So that's a southern way of saying you're an idiot. <laughs> exactly. What what where do what is that? You said everybody wants to do that, but I'm here to tell you that not everybody. <laughs> like Caven and I, and I'm not joking, not just pushing back to our earlier part of the conversation. Like I, I genuinely like I don't I I have a real problem with enclosed spaces. Like if you want to see me freak out, you put me in a bear hug and try to hold me. There's many people that could hold you, Brad. You, I mean, I would lose it. Like, and there's probably some deep psychological issues that 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 comes from. But I genuinely have a fear of like tight, really tight spaces. I can go underground; that doesn't really bother me. I can go under a house, but if I can't move, I'll lose it, man. But I don't mind heights. Like, and I'll get up on. I've I've repelled out of the top of a fire tower before. Really, Um, that. Heights heights don't bother me because I feel like I've got space. You know, I don't know why. It's probably weird. I'm you telling you, space to fall bonus. and die. That's what. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. At least I can move and at least reach to grab something. <laughs> <laughs> but but not everybody has that adventurous spirit, right. right? Not everybody wants to go. I want to go where no one's gone before. A lot of people are really content to stay. At home. I think so, but only because they've never tried it before. Hmm maybe but where do you think that what where do you think that comes from though where where does that desire uh come from to to go where no one's gone before i want to go in the back of this cave where no one's ever been before um, i don't know i mean it's a trick question i i, I don't study it hmm, no. well, there's not a wrong answer you know either. i guess um i guess we're all born with that you know some hmm. people are just born with a more adventurous spirit than others or and maybe it's because i've been outside all my life but and I'm curious. I do ask a lot of questions in life in general. My boss literally hates it, mm. but I need to know the why and I need to know what's out there and what's back there. And I just have to know. I, I'm not nosy though. I'm not a nosy pe- like in people's personal lives, but I do need to know what's in there. That's fascinating. That's good. Well, I mean, our kids are different. I know within my two children, mm-hmm. they're very different and their desire to, you know, to go in the woods in the dark. You know, it was very different. My son's like, oh, let's go. <laughs> My daughter's like, mm, <laughs> what, about, what about, can I ask you a question? Is, it, is, that, is that allowed? Absolutely. Sure. So you yeah. said that you were, uh, took your kids bike riding, um, you know, over by a creek mm-hmm. in Homewood. So that is like, that's Shades Creek. Have you ever been in Shades Creek at night, herping? Uh, do, wait, herp, herping? Yeah, it's when you go look for snakes and <laughs> on purpose. Sorry, I, I, I was uh, married adult days with children herping. You know, like uh, <laughs> yeah, it's looking for snakes and, and stuff. It's really cool. No, I've never, I've never done that. And you know, I, I mean, I, I typically try to stay away from snakes. Um, Honestly, I don't mind like my my game. I don't try to look for them. If I find them, you know, I'm not one to kill a, a, a good snake. You know, uh, you know that type of thing. But if it's a if it's a if you know if it's in my yard, I try to take it at least to my neighbor's yard. Listen to me, <laughs> herping herping is like Jesus because it will change your life. Okay? <laughs> okay, you will fall in love with it. I'm telling you, if you have boys, boys love it. They're obsessed. The first time they're hooked, they want to go every night. It's wonderful. So tell me, like, what kind of snakes are you talking about? Are you talking about, I mean, I don't want to harp around a, mo- no, like a water moccasin or something. Right, right. So this, this is why we go, like, Shades Creek is a really good creek to go to. It's like, you know, there's a lot of industry around it. And according to my herping friends who are experts, um, there are no water moccasins in that creek. There are copperheads along the bank, but you're fine. Hmm. Are snapping turtles? Yes, but mostly just midland water snakes. They're just harmless, non-venomous snakes, easy to catch. Hmm. They still bite you, but it doesn't hurt. So <laughs> let me tell you where you let me tell you where you don't go herping. Oh, that's the that's the Delta. That's the Delta in Mobile. Okay, yes, See, that I, is eerie. I feel like you you'd herp up on a, a boa constrictor or something down there. You know what? It's possible, or or sixteen foot out. Yes, oh my the last gosh. time I was there paddling, it was like last May. I was paddling. I started at the 
uh, Rice Landing, and I was going to um, Bayou Jessamine. So I'm going through all these little bitty canals, and and I was in an inflatable kayak because nothing makes you feel like more excited than being in an inflatable kayak in a place where there's alligators. And there were on the main channel. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. They, they were big. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. They, they yeah, are. I, I grew up in Eufaula and I mean, honestly, so we had to put a fence in our backyard, not to keep our dog in, but to keep the alligators out. Um, there were like, there were two different times where I had to, my dad and I had to help the game warden duct tape the mouth of a seven to eight foot alligator that was in our backyard. And so we were like, you know, we probably need a fence. So you probably need a new house. That's crazy. Yeah. It's time to burn it down, move away. <laughs> I, had, I had no idea that y'all had that many alligators and you fall. I've never heard of that. Yeah. There was, the, I think the state record wow. was killed. Uh, it was about a 15 footer, I believe. And, and that thing's like a dinosaur. I mean, it literally looks like a dinosaur. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Last year, Brian, you'll love this. Last year on the campus of uh, University of Mobile, where my wife works and where I attended school down here in North Mobile County, a little Baptist college. Um, it's a huge piece of property, but they found uh, some, some on the disc golf course. There were some young men uh, disc on the disc golf course, and they discovered um, – I don't remember how big he was, but I know – it was a large enough alligator that when the game warden got there, he said he's too big for us to relocate. Good it's too dangerous. It's too dangerous for us to, to relocate, and they euthanized him because it was mm. too scary. I don't know. I wasn't wasn't there, but he was no longer living because it was too dangerous for them to to try to move him. And this was on campus at UM. Mm. Wow, there's a whole lot of them. You know, there's plenty. It's fine. Yeah. It, it, they're not going extinct down here. Soon. No, no, there, there's no danger of that. It's so, true. Yeah, so herping, herping down here is out of the question for the most part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a new term for me. I'm going to be honest. That's yeah, I, that one threw me off. I was, you yeah. know. I, I wasn't sure if she would. You, you warned us about, like, if I go redneck out of bounds. I was like, it's one of those made up terms. Uh, You're going to Google it now. It's so a real thing. Well, hey man, we learned. Ooh, I'm telling you, this is an educational podcast. There you go. So, is Alabama? Is, so, let's talk about caving a little bit. Is Alabama a good place to cave? Are there are there a lot of caves in Alabama? Alabama is an excellent place to cave. There are thousands of caves in Alabama. Can you believe that? That's incredible. I don't. I, that just blows my mind. Actually, I didn't know that until I was an adult. Yeah. So, like, okay, you said Stevens Gap. Or so okay, so the um. So the northeastern part of Alabama yep. has the best caves. So there's a section of the United States called TAG. It's Tennessee, Alabama, Georgia. So where Tennessee, Alabama, and Georgia all touch, mm -hmm. those are some of the best caves in the world. Okay. Not just in the United States, in the world. There are amazing wow. caves there. And cavers, um, we're very secretive about locations. We don't tell people because, number one, they could die. Safety issue. If you just go hopping off in a hole and you don't know what you're doing, you could very easily die. And people have. Also, um, unfortunately, people, you know, sometimes they vandalize things and mm -hmm. leave beer cans everywhere, graffiti. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so we don't give out locations. You have to be in one of the grottos, like one of the caving clubs for that. So, okay, so I mean, when you're talking about caving, are you, are you talking about like, hey, we're walking through a wood. There's, there's a hole. Let's go check that out. Yes. <laughs> Actually, sometimes it's exactly like that. I mean, okay, and then you, you have this gear with you and you – how do you know, like, going into this thing, like, if it's something that's like, okay, I, I, I feel like we can explore this, or you know what, let's just pass. I mean, how do you come to that decision? Like, what's the criteria for going caving on this hole? Well, so so what you're so we go ridge walking. That's when you're finding new caves. Or sometimes we're just caving, and you know, you have um, coordinates for a cave, but you get there and you're like, all right, there's a whole bunch of rocks around here. Which which one is it? Mm -hmm. You know, which hole in the ground is it? And so. We, um, we all gather around the hole and we're like, all right, be quiet. We take a rock and you throw it down there and you listen to see how far it goes. Very scientific. Very scientific <laughs> method. Okay? So you listen to see how far it goes and if it hits a bunch of things and keeps going. And if it sounds like it would go a long way, you hop down there. Someone gets on rope first, you tie it around a tree and, and you go. That's incredible. So usually people are like really anxious to go first. I am not. I usually let someone else go first. I don't have a problem with that. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, 
and you go down there and you start exploring. It's really you can find some amazing things that way. I, I imagine. I mean, what's what's the coolest thing you've ever found? Um, so we found some caves earlier this year, ridge walking. I guess it was in January. You know what? I don't know, December or January. And I got to help name a cave. So if you if you find it and you go in first, you get to help name it. So that's kind of fun. That's and cool. then um I guess just finding a cave that no one else has, has located before or been in. So you just go ridge walking in these areas of North Alabama that not many people have gone to, or sometimes it's private property. Um, <laughs> but uh, we won't tell we won't anybody. Tell anybody. Thank you. And and then, but that's where the good ones are because you know no one's supposed to go there. And anyway, you yeah, you just hop in the hole and crawl around and you document. You know, you measure and see what all's in there. Write down some defining features of the cave. It's amazing. And sometimes there's waterfalls in there. That's all I like. Yeah. Have you, now, I also understand that there are other things that like to go into caves yes. also. Have you, you guys ever discovered any large mammals in those Unfortunately caves? not. There's always cave crawfish. They're just clear crawfish. Well, those are not <laughs> things I'm worried about. When you know, look, I wish we would find a bear. That would be fantastic or something cool, but nothing. Like, uh, we found it with pack rats sometimes and not even a raccoon there's never really nothing good like just crawfish some cave fish sometimes a lot of things i've been under there for a long time they're all white hmm. been there for so long and then any herp any herps down there <laughs> <laughs> you know what some sometimes in the open air pits where there's a lot of daylight and you know it gets daylight every day mm-hmm. um yeah there are definitely venomous snakes down there wow so okay all right now just picture yourself repelling it repelling into like a 200 foot cave and then maybe landing on a venomous snake that's scary i mean that now you're, i mean that's just that's yeah. just like final destination stuff here <laughs> <laughs> so how it's yeah jones right right <laughs> how does somebody get into this like say there are people listening and they're like this really sounds exciting how does somebody get into caving you mentioned something about a grotto. Is that a yes. is that a group of cavers? Correct. Okay. So if you go to caves.org and there's it's, it's like, you know, find a grotto or find a caving club, I think is one of the options. And so you just type in your zip code and it tells you all the caving clubs in your area. And then you just most of them are on Facebook. So that's a pretty easy way to locate people mm-hmm. and then they'll tell you when their next meeting is. Everyone has like at least monthly meetings. And we get together like once or twice a month to go caving. And then you meet people when you're there. And you kind of break off into groups and go caving with people, you know, when your schedule allows. That's how you get involved. And it's really good to get involved because, well, number one, you don't know where the caves are if you don't get involved. So where are you going to go? And, you know, just to know this, learn the safety stuff and know what kind of equipment to buy, not to buy. That's important. Yeah, sounds like, sounds like it. <laughs> and cavers. Okay, so cavers are... Um, I mean, I am a caver, but um, you know, most cavers are they love to camp out. They're very, very outdoorsy, and they're also um, kind of wild partiers. <laughs> so, um, you know, the first time I went to camp out with a bunch of cavers, um, yeah, I didn't really feel so. I'm not. I'm more of an Airbnb. I like to camp. Okay, I, I camp by myself with my family. Mm-hmm. When it was with a whole group of people that I don't know, and everyone, everybody's like partying and staying up late. I'm not a late night person. I just take it to the Airbnb down the street <laughs> because, you know, I'm not sure about these people yet, right? right. So, um, yeah, that's my that's my experience with caving camping. But, um, yeah, I just don't stay up that late. We talked a little earlier. Brian asked the question, um, what, "What do we What do we call you? Like a caver or spelunker? Can you help us as to why that that term's pretty prevalent?" But why cavers don't really appreciate the term spelunker or spelunking? Well, some of them do, but um, cavers only two syllables. There you go. It's a little hard word to say. <laughs> I think I think spelunking. I think one of them is like the scientific, you know, people who go underground for science, and one of them's geared like cavers is more geared towards people who are doing it as like a recreation. Ah, okay. But okay. we're both. We're both. We all like science too. All right, so we, um, yeah, you, know, you, you, you talked about Jesus a little bit earlier, and so let's shift gears just a just a tad. Um, so, being outdoors, you know, we we like to talk about you know, the power of reflection and how does God use the outdoors to shape us. 
So in what ways has does the outdoors help you to experience God? Okay, so um, I guess just being outside and being part of something that is so huge that where everything, every little thing works together so perfectly. You know, um, everything is dependent on something else. Um, and just seeing the vastness of, of the world, of the universe, it takes our breath away. I, it never gets old. Mm. And sometimes, you know, if, I've just, if I'm having a bad day, you know, at work or something, just walking outside and just sitting for a minute and being quiet and looking around, I just realized I'm just a small part of something that's so big. And whoever, the person who created this, God who created this is, he's in charge. He's got it, you know? Mm. If he can do all of this, he's, he's got me. It's very comforting. Yeah, you know, Brad, who was it that said, you know, you never walk away from the Grand Canyon thinking more of yourself? Who was that? Yeah, I think I think it was. Yeah, it's so not Lewis, not Lewis, uh, John, John Piper. John Piper. Yeah, John so Piper. I mean, the more I'm outside, I'm I'm with you on that one, Amanda. You, you know, you just you kind of get to to know different parts of God in a different way, you know, and and these adventures help me to understand how big he is and how much I'm reliant on him for breath, for life, you know, all of these things. And you're right. I mean, it's just, he, it it is so, the world is so big and he's got it. There there was a time and this is like kind of a simple story, but um, this is probably 15 years ago. Oh, we're going to really rough patch in our lives just with like, we were doing foster care. We had some, a baby that was about to leave. Um, we'd had her for 11 months. And anyway, we're outside with the neighbors a lot because um, we she liked to be outside, so did I. And so um, I planted some milkweed in our yard. Um, and that's, you know, what monarch butterflies love. Now, never mind the fact that we've never seen a monarch butterfly in our neighborhood. <laughs> but, um, you know, I just had hopes this year that I could plant this milkweed and that monarch would come. So I'm in the street um, at the neighbor's house. And I just started praying like, Lord, such a little thing, but I would love it if 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 a butterfly could just land on my milkweed and just just lay a couple of eggs, and I could just watch these caterpillars grow and transform. That would be awesome. Not five minutes later, I mean, I'm telling you, almost at that exact, you know, just as my prayer ended, I'm walking across the street, and a monarch butterfly floats across, lands on my milkweed. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's gonna happen! It's gonna happen! <laughs> and it did. And this monarch butterfly just—I mean, I, I'm telling you, I've never seen one in my neighborhood before. And so it, it, it lays two little eggs um, uh, on the on the leaves of this plant, and I got to watch the caterpillars grow and change, and then they formed a chrysalis. They crawled off and formed a chrysalis. I was just so amazed, you know, just, mm. just, mm. you know, a god that cares about this redneck girl in Alabama, you know, mm. he would let me see that. Yeah, I think. Yeah. One time when I think about caves and, and thinking about talking about caves, I got to travel um, for my, I work for a church here in Mobile and we, um, I worked with some, an organization that did work amongst the persecuted um, globally. And so I, I got to travel to Egypt um, to work with some of the persecuted believers there in Egypt. And we were there as tourists, you know, it's kind of our cover, but in the evenings we were spending time with, with believers who, uh, undergo persecution on a regular basis, and um, but one of the churches there is um, is literally in a cave, like it's a cave. But but when I say a cave, um, it's enormous, and it's sort of an, like an amphitheater style cave. But when you're looking at it in the front, you see you see this you see this church, and um, and in the front of the church, you walk in, and then as you walk back, it just descends down into this hill. And when I say amphitheater, it seats about 15,000. So you have been in a cave. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is an open air cave, but it went, it, it, the amphitheater receded back into the backside of this mountain. And then there was a church. Um, it was an Orthodox. So this was like a Coptic. If you've ever heard of the Coptic 
Orthodox believers in in Egypt. They're uh, it's like Russian Orthodox with Orthodox Church, Greek Orthodox, but they're Coptic, and so they're specific to this area. And this unbelievable like church carved into the back side or the the deep part of this cave, and it went all the way down. It was it was huge. I'll I'll, I'll put up a picture of it. But the thing that I came away thinking about, and as you talked about, like finding a cave and then going down into it was we're we're so often caught up with what's on the surface and we underestimate what's beneath. That's so true. Yes. And, and when I stood there and looked, I had no, no idea what was behind and down. And it was incredible to, to stand there and look and then to walk and to see this place that all these believers, um, that, that they had carved out of stone. Like it wasn't, you know, there weren't bleachers built into it. They were carved out of stone and uh, this beautiful auditorium in the, bottom side of this cave that opened up into this massive open air uh open air amphitheater in you know in the really a rough rougher part of egypt uh inside of cairo there's an area that's around a trash dump and it's where a lot of outcast people live and this church is is built there and it's really incredible why are you not a caver (laughs) because i hate tight spaces (laughs) so i but yeah, that's the thing I think about is like if I reflect on that moment, I, I think about there's so much. And how many times do we do that with people? You know, as a pastor, uh, how many times do uh, do you settle for what's on what's on the surface? And you, but if you go do a little digging, um, there's a lot. But you have to get down into you know some uncomfortable places, right? Right. Uh, when I reflect on that with people especially like it gets very uncomfortable if i'm in the midst of say marriage counseling or what have you you know and it gets <laughs> it gets really uncomfortable and something i think there's been a couple of times that i'm like i wish i could be in a time <laughs> <laughs> uh, in in conversations with couples in really awkward sure. you know awkward times in their life so i guess that's the thing as i reflect on you know my my experiences with caves is you know there there's a lot it reveals what how much there is beneath and then how much is that is that in our own hearts of of people is like there's a lot beneath but it takes those experiences to kind of reveal that in ourselves you know i think um so some of the really pretty um, highly decorated <laughs> caves they have just a ton of formations and they're and these formations are, are made from dripping water coming from the surface bringing minerals and dirt along the way to deposit and just something that's so uh, really decaying decaying matter on the earth's surface trickles through all of these cracks and starts making these gorgeous formations that just that that death and decay from that can come something mm-hmm. beautiful mm-hmm. and it's alive and so you um when you go into these caves or when i go into these caves i think when i see all these gorgeous formations i think you know just something that's so beautiful and so detailed i mean these tiny if you look up close or have a macro lens with you you can see these mm. teeny tiny crystals that are so detailed and intricate, like snowflakes or coral reefs or something. Um, I mean, God knew when he created all of this, when, when he put all of this into place, he knew that very few people will ever get to see it. And there were some caves that will never be discovered. Mm. Yeah, he saw fit to put that much detail into something that most of us will never see. It just blows my mind. It's amazing. Mm. Here we go. I think I think I can show you. So if you stand, stand at the front. That's the church. Wow, that's beautiful. All right, that's what's behind. Oh my! Yeah, we'll need to put those pictures on the uh, show on the show notes. That's that's down in the cave. So it's not like hidden. Like like people know it's there. Oh yeah, no, this is a huge, huge ordeal. It's really cool. Like that. Wow. See, that's the top of the church in the background back there. That's amazing. Uh, it's just, it's crazy. You're, you're, it's mind-blowing when you walk through. You're like, oh, my gosh, I totally didn't expect that to to unfold behind this little bitty church <laughs> on the side of the hill. And it just went down into this, you know, huge, and it's, I think it's literally called the Cave Church. Oh, that's cool. Something like that. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'll put those up. That was a great experience. Also, uh, I didn't really enjoy it, but it was worth it because King Tut was at the end. We got to, I got to go to uh, um, down into what they call Upper Egypt, right? And that's down into uh, the Valley of the Kings, you know, wow. where Tut was buried. And oh, that's amazing. I would love to see that. 
Yeah, that's pretty wild. So my time experience, it's amazing. My only caving story is I was in Delphi, Greece, and so there, there's a the legend there in Delphi is um, that underneath you know all of these Roman, I mean, I'm sorry, these Greek ruins, there would be a a place where the oracle would go, and so she would go under there and have an experience and would be uh would come out and like her voice would be changed and she would be talking and giving all of these uh prophecies uh to the people there well we found that hole and um it had been kind of discovered later on you know thousands of years later that when she would go down there there were gases being released from the earth. I think helium, and <laughs> and she was hallucinating, and her voice was high. You know how you can suck the helium out of a balloon, and so they thought that this was some kind of message from the gods, and she was just high as a kite. <laughs> so yeah. we found that hole, and we went to it, and like we didn't know really where it was going to go, but it popped out on the other side of the little uh, the ruins there. So. That was a pretty tight space, but it wasn't really a cave. It was just a really deep hole that people had kind of enclosed. And so, yeah, so that, that's my caving story. Wait, did you go down into that into that cave? We did, yeah. Oh, you did? Did, did you sound like helium too? Uh, yeah, everybody was talking the same, so we didn't really know. <laughs> I thought it was about to be a Herbert story for there for a second. I was like, no. No. <laughs> All of a sudden, I had this uh, 12 year deal. Yeah, I really like birthday parties. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, you know, we've talked a lot about a lot of things. We talked about, you know, the caving, um, waterfall chasing. Our, uh, yeah, we haven't talked a whole lot about artifact finding. So, when whenever you go out looking for artifacts, we're talking about artifacts that are thousands of years old, right? I mean, these are yeah. arrowheads, pottery, things like that. What is your favorite find that you've had so oh. far? And can you tell about it? I know, right? So I can't tell you where I found so, it. So there's some rules about that. Okay, right? so there are some rules, so laws yeah. about it for sure, and um, definitely some federal laws about it. So, but here's the deal: this is where how you know in Alabama you're always safe if you if it, if someone owns a field, you can talk to that landowner and you can surface hunt. So I only surface hunt. I, I really don't dig. Mm-hmm. I have no no desire to dig. Right. Never have. But um you know, sometimes if you find some really nice fields owned by farmers near the river, I mean, you can hit the jackpot. Mm. They plow a certain section and so this new method of farming where they don't plow anymore, they just kind of do a line. Mm-hmm saves gas and all this kind of stuff. Well, every every few years, they still plow and dip it anyway. And so those are the good years to go. I mean, I could spend 12 hours. But one day I found like a, a piece of a, well, it was a pendant. So it was like wow. really cool, like tribal looking, uh, neck. well, tribal, his tribal necklace. And it was made Ooh. of stone and um, like carved and it was sanded down and it had a hole in it. Uh, it was broken. So I've got both pieces of it though. Mm. But that was, wow. of course, I found tons of arrowheads and pottery, decorated pottery. But that one was cool because someone wore that. It was personal. Wow. Made for somebody. I actually have a couple of things like that. One of them is definitely a pendant. The other looks like it might be jewelry, like beads or something. Mm. But those are always my favorite because, uh, number one, they're very rare. I don't find them often. And they're, you know, they're personal. It was someone's decoration. It was like, you know, it wasn't. You know, with the the arrowheads and stuff like that, they had to have that to survive to kill animals. Mm-hmm. But this was like, you know, um, a luxury. Wow, that's special. Fancy jewelry. That's right. That is cool. Yeah, to think about like the last person to hold, a, you know, an arrowhead or or something. You think about what was going through. You know, what were they thinking about? What was on their mind? You know, as they. Went, th- went about their daily lives. Yeah. Know, and- I have one friend I trust enough to go to go um, artifact hunting with. Just one. Besides, like, my immediate family. Mm-hmm. And um, he always said, it's like shaking hands with an Indian. Mm. The last person to touch this mm. was Indian. <laughs> it's true. Or Native American. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, it is. You know, what's interesting is, I mean, in the scheme of time, right, you, you know, from the past to now, like there's such a small section of time where we didn't need those mm. things. What do you mean? Like, I don't need an arrowhead to find my food. Really? Right okay. now. You know, you know, you don't have to hunt. We don't have to hunt to get our food. I mean, for the past, what, couple hundred years? Right. You know? But in the grand scheme of all time, this is a very small section of time where people didn't need yeah. those That's things. True. So that technology was really important um, to be able to make, you know, a stone point. And so to think about, like, he needed that. that Whoever that person is needed that thing to be able to feed his family. We don't necessarily need that. We don't even need a gun, you know? You just... I mean, I guess you could go into the supermarket and stab something. <laughs> <like that. laughs> Feel better. I don't think they'd really frowned upon down at the Publix. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've seen a video of a guy going in there and shooting stuff with like his bow like, or whatever. Oh, that's so funny. You're right, though. I mean that that's a, that was but, such yeah. a staple for many years, and they had to make them all. And it's just you know having gone come as far as we have in such short amount of time. It's fascinating. I'll be hungry a lot, I think. Think about how many people have to make and attach to something and throw it or whatever to catch something. I mean, you would have to be so good. That would be a lot of effort, a lot of work, a lot of calories burned just to catch something, you know? Yeah. Yeah, well, you wouldn't be scrolling on the face the Facebook. You'd be making stone points. <laughs> you sitting around a fire and, uh, yeah, chipping away at Flint. Telling stories, you know, telling stories, chipping away at Flint, because tomorrow we're going to actually hit that thing. Yeah. <laughs> I might chase squirrels into a hole or something and then grab them out. That, that'd be my method. Yeah, you'd have a you'd have a trap in some cave or something that you're like, you know what, go into that cave. That's right. Put some, yeah, put some like, uh, nuts or whatever, whatever squirrels eat. Put some nuts in there and have a little, you know, hole dug in front of it. <laughs> boom. Call it dinner. We'll see. Very little calories involved. That's funny. That's amazing. Well, this has been a fascinating conversation. I, I loved I loved learning new things, and, and caving is something I know zero about, other than um, you know what I've seen on TV. Well, we, we didn't know about yeah, herping either, Brian. We learned we learned yeah. about herping. And you're going to get to go. And yeah, you know, and it's just right down the road from where I live, so maybe that's an opportunity. Um, there you go. You know, take the kids out there. My daughter, she will grab a frog in a minute. I mean, she she is unafraid. She we have skinks in our backyard, and so she'll grab those. And I'm like, I don't really know if these things are poisonous, but you know, go for it. You know, they're not. <laughs> but you know, seriously, go at night. Yeah. Look, we have a group of guys we go with. We'll invite you next time. Yeah, give me a shout. We'll we'll see how it goes. <laughs> I'm gonna keep inviting y'all. You'll hear you'll hear me scream like a girl. Uh, I mean, just like my, my daughter will, I scream louder than my daughter if something, you know, herped up on me. <laughs> herped up on you? <laughs> hey, hey, man, there's nothing, there's nothing creepier than going out to a pond and shining a flashlight out there and seeing all those eyes. Uh, hey, you know, well, because down here, they yeah, that's see. that's the thing with Dad and I would go fishing for a crappie and you have that that crappie light you know bring the minnows up well every now and then we would shine it just out across the bank and there'd be those gator eyes and it's like oh my goodness Ooh. yeah that's what we didn't go herbie in my bill that would be fun oh i don't know about that well <laughs> yeah. you want to try to catch anything uh, there's stuff trying to catch you down there hey so the last question we like to ask all of our guests is what is your next adventure so i know that that is like a weekly changing thing and this this is going to be airing in the fall so uh, what is your next big adventure i would say so i actually um let's see later this month i think in a week or so i am going with alabama Fa alabama power to film a commercial they invited me to um film a commercial in a cave cool so I don't even know what that what that's going to look like exactly, but yeah, I'm going. It sounded like fun, and I'm going to take off work to go. Well, there you go. What, what? That's next adventure that, and you know, I'm sure I'll go kayaking a lot, a lot this summer. Is there a is this an undisclosed location, or is this a popular cave, or is this one of 
the one that you Steven named? Steven oh, Steven's Steven Cap. We're going to repel and um, gonna take a couple people with me and we're going to repel and they're going to film it for a commercial. It'll probably be one of those things where they just, you know, it's commercial with all these other things in it. And it'll just be one little blip, you know, with uh, us repelling, but it's still pretty cool. Well, hey, maybe whenever it's, it's yeah. airs, we can link it from the show notes. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, but the problem is, who who actually watches TV anymore? Yeah, I, mean, I know. That's true. No, I'm probably never going to see it, but, you know, <laughs> if they send me a link, I'll forward it to you. How about that? That's what we need to do. There you go. <laughs> I love it. I love meeting you people, and that's one thing about this podcast. It's been so much fun as we've met so many, um, so many people that we – we didn't know, or I didn't know, maybe Brian knew, or I knew and Brian didn't know, and we got to meet and have a conversation just about our experiences. And so this has been a unique conversation. Of course, we've learned about all kinds of things from herping to, well, we'll call it caving instead yeah. of spelunking, right? I like caving is a whole, whole lot easier uh, to say. Um, but just the stories behind that, and, I, and it does, the more I think about, the more um, that resonates with me of our, our goal is to maybe look mm-hmm. a little deeper and and find the you know the things that that are down there and we have to look you know and and most of the time you know when we're looking at a person or we're looking at a mountaintop or a mountainside there's usually a lot more um a lot more beneath the surface than we're willing to we're willing to really accept a lot of times or we underestimate maybe that'd be a better way of saying that we underestimate what's uh what's beneath the surface and and so let us take a little more time to do a little more digging, a little more adventuring, and a little more searching, especially with those those around us, you know, uh, the people that are uh, in our community and the people that are in our families. You know, maybe there's a lot more beneath the surface. And if we'll just take a little time to do a little digging and a little adventuring, we might find something amazing. So I really appreciate that. And uh, I'm going to walk away with that truth from my, my, my personal reflection of this conversation. I really appreciate you taking time to, to hang out with us. And to share these uh, share these stories, um, we hope. Man, we hope this. Maybe somebody wants to do that. I'm not going <laughs> caving or splunking, but maybe someone will get into uh, going and finding some tight spaces, and and maybe you'll inspire you'll inspire some others to to take up this uh, this uh, sport, and maybe they'll get into one of those clubs and meet you yeah. there and say, I heard ab- I heard about splunking and caving from the Storied Outdoors. I would love nothing more than to hear that story come full circle yeah, absolutely so. that'd be very, really cool i'm in I'm birmingham grotto yeah. and huntsville grotto there you go well maybe they'll find you we uh we hope uh this story encourages people and uh and challenges them to not just experience the outdoors but take time to write their stories down and reflect on these stories and share their stories around the campfire and uh write them down and share them in what we love to call the storied outdoors nice well thank you so much i enjoyed it Brad Hill here. There is no better way to share a story than around a campfire. And if you are in the Mobile Bay area, there is no better place to get firewood than our friends at Mobile Bay Firewood. This is a family-owned business, and I personally love using their easy-to-light, kiln-dried firewood in my fire pit. So use promo code MBFTSO for $15 off of your next order at mobilebayfirewood.com. Longtime friends of the podcast, the Growley Leather Company is a family-owned leather goods company in southern Alabama. All of their leather goods are designed and handcrafted to come alongside you in your daily life, share in your adventures, and reflect your character. Brian and I both enjoy products from Growley Leather. So visit GrowleyLeather.com and use promo code TSO2022 for a 15% discount at checkout. Find you a leather journal and fill it with stories from the storied outdoors.